Lingua Britannica is a podcast that uses ethnographic interviews to study language use in the extreme metal community. We are studying a music scene known for its love of themes and topics generally considered offensive, and it is likely that some episodes will touch on topics or opinions some listeners may find tasteless or ethically problematic. Ethnographic researchers aim to adopt the interviewee's point of view so that we can draw out and study the attitudes, beliefs, and practices that are important to them. We want to make it clear that in presenting these conversations here, we do not endorse any of their content. Our aim is to explore the thought processes behind language use in this long-running international and yet understudied scene. everyone and welcome back to Lingua Britannica with me Jess Crook and my co-host Wes Robertson. Hello. In this episode we're talking to uh, Terry Vaynerus uh, of Subterranean Disposition. Uh, thanks for being with us Terry. Thanks for having me on guys. It's uh, it's really really special to, to have a chat with you both. Oh thank you so much for saying so. Uh, so just to start out as we kind of always do how would you describe uh, Subterranean Disposition's music to someone who's never heard it before? What kind of genre of metal would you say it falls under and why? Okay, um, well, the basis of subterranean disposition is, uh, is is a doom death metal. So it has that doom element, the slow element, and the sort of uh, forlorn melodic element in the music. And then it has the death metal, which I equate to the guttural vocals and like the drumming and the double kicks and stuff like that. So that's the basis of what subterranean is. And um, from there, we sort of experiment with some other mixes of genres. We have a little bit of sludge in there at points. Um, and we've also been labelled uh, an experimental uh, metal band as well with uh, just the use of a saxophone and some other sort of foreign instruments over the, the course of some of the albums we've done. So, yeah, I would say doom, death, uh, experimental metal. Well, that does fit with your categorization on Encyclopedia Metallum. You are listed as a doom death band. Yep. Um, is there any particular label that you gravitate towards? Or are you happy with, you know, kind of different people or, you know, different, um, yeah, interviewers even kind of labeling you in different ways? I'm, I'm happy for all sorts of uh, different ideas that people bring because ultimately it's about what they get out of the music. Um, sometimes people will come up to me and they're like, oh, this reminds me of this. And for me, my intentions were nowhere near whatever band or genre that they were talking about. But that's what they're, if that's what they're getting out of it, then, then so be it. And that might put me onto a new source of inspiration myself. It was like, I would ne never, you know, in some cases it'd be like, oh, I never, would never think to think that's where sort of some, um, some of the music would fit in or whatever. So yeah, I'm, I'm not hard or fast with any of those sorts of things. Um, it's, it's, it's metal and it has a whole lot of, whole range of influences so I'm, I'm happy for whatever anyone brings up you know so speaking of this range of influences were doom and death metal the genres that got you into metal or is that just kind of where the band's fallen after you know a, a more varied career well um <clears throat> well I suppose I should sort of uh, 
say that like I've been playing in lots of bands over 30 years now. Um, Subterranean has been around for about 10 of those 30 years. So um, it wasn't the first thing that I gravi gravitated towards in the metal world. Um, uh, back in the day, it was uh, thrash metal in, in the late 80s and early 90s. And I started uh, playing in bands in the mid 90s and went uh, from thrush to, to death metal and then into the extreme scene where I played in lots of bands that were specific genres like uh, black metal, uh, doom metal. So I was introduced to doom metal around the early 2000s, I believe. Um, but yeah, lots of different sort of metal influences. And I guess being that uh, subterranean is like way further down my sort of career of like I have doom and death metal as a base, but then I can hear little bits of some of the other genres come through in, in some of the music too. So. It's a big melting pot with doom and, and death as the basis. Was it tricky to discover some of these genres or artists uh, back in you know 1980s Australia or so? It, it was definitely definitely different than um, what uh, anyone can do today. Obviously, with the internet and 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 all of this sort of thing. Yeah, it, it was harder, and it was more like a feeling of like. Um, you know, like finding gold when you come across something that you really, really liked. You would have to go um, into a record store and hopefully you could like listen to something in the store perhaps or you would read a, a zine or a metal magazine and then um, there might be a write-up that sort of said, oh, if you like Carcass, then you like this kind of thing and that would lead you down the track there. It was, it was much more of a, a laboured process uh, looking back on it now but I I find that you know it was it was really a golden era because um, I don't know it just it didn't feel more genuine but it just felt like when you really uh, came onto something that you liked it was like amazing it was, it was a really really good feeling whereas now it's sort of you can scroll through a million bands on the internet and still find stuff that you love as well but it's just a different time and place, I guess. Just show my age a little bit, but yeah. Um, so how did you go, like, finding lyrics during that time then? Like, I mean, did you, like, um, do as others have discussed in the podcast, like, read lyric books or, like, how accessible was that? So, yeah, it was all down to, to, to the tapes and then obviously the CDs and records, of course, as well. And it's just, like... Um, yeah, mostly everyone was putting their lyrics in there so for, for digestion. So, yeah, it was good. I always felt that I would sit down um, with a release uh, personally and, you know, do the, the whole thing of, like, sitting there and having the music play and then pouring over the lyrics and seeing how the person went about, like, uh, like writing their lyrics and how their cadence was to the effect of the music. And that, that would also like inspire me to, to try different things over music that I was writing to. So, yeah. Do you remember any particular experiences that kind of solidified an understanding of what metal lyrics kind of looked like or sounded like or what the language inside them was like uh, during this early process? Hmm, that's interesting. I mean, I guess for me, discovering all the death metal stuff, it, it was much like um, th there was so much different characteristics in between some of the bands. Like you would have like your cannibal corpses and the, the gory sort of lyrics, but then you would also have your cynics and you would have like more metaphysical lyrics. 
um, and Death, which was like early, was a bit more gory, and then went on to more like personal or sort of uh, larger topics. So there wasn't sort of one sort of thing that I sort of gravitated to. I just tried to sponge it all up and some things that I, I liked more than other things. Um, gore and horror has kind of never been my sort of uh, go-to, which is kind of weird to say as a metalhead. But um, I, I tended to follow like some of the lyrics that had a little bit more depth and something that I could sort of chew on because I guess essentially I was a metalhead that was a book nerd as well. So I wanted to sort of bridge that gap in between what I love to read about and also having something of, of that I thought was of substance within like a really, you know, awesome soundtrack in a, in a, in a metal band. If you were to be presented with like two sets of lyrics from, you know, songs from different genres that you could identify which of those was metal? Well, yeah, I would say so. Um, I mean, yeah, it, it's all about like sort of, for me, you can sort of tell if I was given sort of the blind test of like, all right, is there's a couple of sets of lyrics, like you say, and if is it metal or not? I guess it's in like sort of the energy of the lines and how it's sort of being put forward and stuff like that. But then there's all there's there's always sort of uh, exceptions to that rule. Like, I mean, I'm. I mean, you wouldn't think that, uh, um, you know, singing about Ned Flanders or anything like that would be a metal thing, but then there's a, there's a metal band that does that, so you could be thrown by something like that. But generally speaking, certain uh, tone and energy that you can pick up on that you would say that's metal, but if you ask me to describe it in more detail, I would probably have... <laughs> Oh, it, it's kind of hard to say what that exactly is. It's more of a feeling, I guess. What about in terms of quality? Like, what would you say make for good metal lyrics versus bad metal lyrics? Like, what attributes or what um, kind of forms put a line between those two categories? Well, for me personally, I guess it's it's about how sort of the the flow of the words is and. It just depends because like metal is so broad there's there's things that i would say is definitely cheesy but in the context of what the the particular band is it's acceptable and it's fun whereas like i guess for myself as i was saying before i really like to sort of sit there and sort of like um delve into the words like walk and read it and you know to the essence of um, that particular lyricist was trying to sort of convey and also how I feel about it. And, um, yeah, so, I mean, there's stuff there, like, from sort of Dark Throne where I would be like, oh, okay, that's that's cheesy, but, like, that's in the context of how they're portraying that sort of thing, that's sort of fun. What about the, what about the other hand? What makes, um, what makes for bad, like... You mentioned flow, right? What does it mean to have good flow or bad flow in a genre that is marked by dissonance and atonality and arhythms and, uh, you know, basically opposition to, like, we have a subgenre called melodic death metal, right? Which presumes that mm -hmm. if you don't have that suffix, you're not melodic, right? So the idea that melody itself yeah. is, anti like, not expected in, in a metal album. Given all that, you know, how, how do you define flow and, and, and what does that mean in this kind of context? Yeah, no, I get you. Well, in, in the context of that, it's like the flow as in, I would say, as a lyricist, um, 
you obviously you have your guitar riffs and you have your drum beats and they're, they're the main, main driving components and where I like to sit is somewhere in between them so like um, when I mean flow I mean like uh, the uh, syncopation that might be playing off the guitar riff or following the guitar riff or it might be dipping in and out of the drum beat and the guitar riff or it's more like uh, in tune with like a certain syncopation of the drums or something like that so there's different flows and uh, I guess with within like maybe sort of old school death metal they would do stuff where it's a bit more like uh, a couple of words and then let the riff breathe and then go again and that's one type of flow and then there's other flows like um um uh, just off the top of my head like psychroptic he can he can get into a flow where it's a bit more um going forward and it's almost like kind of almost in a sort of hip-hop fashion there's a, 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 a there's a, a lot of uh, punctuation and like sort of um just flowing on sort of thing so like there's no sort of stopping in between um parts of the riff or whatever so that's kind of what i mean about the the, the flow of of how they're presenting their words against the backdrop of the music. That's sort of what, what I look for um, as I'm listening and it's catching my ear. And then when, when I hear something's like, that's awesome flow, I need to go and hear how those words interact with the music. Like, because uh, oftentimes with, as you are saying, even with melodic death metal, a lot of it's still guttural. So you're not always catching the words on, on the first go around. So that'll make me like, I'll be like, oh, this guy's flow is really good. I'll go back in and I'll see what words he's using to, to punctuate certain things that's caught my ear. Right. So is it mainly just about like how the fit with the music? Is that like kind of the primary kind of criteria that you have for like good versus bad lyrics? Um, well, yeah, I mean, that's that's the first thing there because like the lyrics aren't there by themselves. You don't just have people like, like screaming a cappella or anything like that. Um, so that's the very first thing. But then the second thing is like, as I was saying, you go onto the lyric sheet and just see um, there's, for me, there's like a energy of the written word, I guess. Um, and just how, how that's presented like within like the CD or whatever, and just see how they've written their lines. It's something that I like to do when I've like finished some lyrics. So I'll like look at it and I'll see just from a visual perspective, it's kind of strange, but like I sometimes will sort of change some of the lyrics just based off the actual visual of it sometimes. I'm like, nah, this is not looking right. It's really, really hard to describe, but um, yeah, it's, I mean, yeah, and it's also like, I guess, yeah, the, the energy of those lines and like sort of, the poetry in between the different lines and they might have uh, like a longer line and a couple of short lines, however, anything is punctuated to, to flow through and, and make their story come to life, I guess. So when did you start uh, actually writing any lyrics at all? Like this seems like a process you developed over a long time, right? Yeah, for sure. Well, um, in, in my very, very first band, um, um, we all got together and I, I'm a, a multi-instrumentalist uh, as well as uh, as a uh, vocalist, but at the time we were just getting together and having a jam and 
suddenly I got nominated to to be the vocalist. They're all like, "All right, yeah, no, nah, Terry's going to do that," and I'm like, <laughs> "Okay." And I guess I had a little bit of an attraction to the to words and vocals, so I took that on and I I started writing very very badly at the start, um, just imitating sort of things that I'd heard uh, within uh, some of the thrash, the Metallica and the Napalm Death and just sort of aping those sort of feelings and sort of lyrics. Uh, but obviously in a, in a very teenage way, I was about 15 or 16 years old. And I just sort of went from there and every band that I sort of, well, not every band, but a lot of bands that I was in, um, I just naturally fell into that position. And um, depending on who was in the band and what sort of uh, sound and uh, sort of uh, vision we wanted to portray, uh, some of the, the lyrics would change up and I was able to do different styles. And, um, yeah, it's been a really long journey. And um, I'm, I'm still happy to say that um, I still get excited to sit down once I've written some music and and and, and start that process. And I'm like, well, what am I going to do this time, you know? It's, yeah, it's been a long time, but I, I still have that passion for uh, putting putting those words and and then getting those right tones as as the as the the singer or the growler as well. During any part of this history, have you ever been like worried about whether or not the lyrics feel metal enough? Like, was that something that it doesn't sound to me like that's something that happens to you now? But like when you were younger, right? In those, uh, as you preferred them kind of you know Metallica ripoff lyrics or whatever was there like a oh this has to sound like metal in a certain way or this line isn't metal enough was that ever a concern that you're willing to admit to within your uh you know history of writing um no I, I don't feel like it was ever a concern and I guess um no one really sort of checked me on anything too much I had one band um Order of Chaos and they used to call me Dictionary Man but I mean that was just because I put a lot of words in there that they didn't particularly understand at the time. <laughs> so that was a little moniker that I got. But as far as um, actual, like, where the, where the thinking it was not peers for anything in particular, no, nah, not at all. It was like I was given sort of free reign to express myself and, and no one really sort of queried me about uh, any of my approaches, which, is, which has been great. Well, it's funny that you say dictionary man, because um, one of the kind of ongoing debates, one of two that I'm going to ask you about um, mm -hmm. on this podcast has been whether or not, you know, it's acceptable to use a thesaurus when writing lyrics. So where do you stand in that debate? Um, I, I say do whatever you need to do to get to that point where you're happy with the words you're using to, ex to express the, 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 the song that needs to be finished. So yes, I have used sources before. Sometimes I'll have a feeling or I'll have a line and I, you know, you know when you're sort of like in conversation and you just can't find that right word, it's just not coming to you. And then, so I, I would definitely go like looking uh, uh, well, nowadays online sometimes, but definitely, definitely had a thesaurus and would like look up stuff and be like, oh, okay, I, I needed this kind of word. And then you, um, they would have like suggestions for other similar kind of words. And I would delve in there and, and see what their meanings were and, and, and try and get the right one. And also, it's also about how the word comes out as well as the, the phrasing of it and, and the feeling of like growling a certain word can be quite um, quite enticing. So sometimes the uh, the more 
dictionary kind of words uh, is kind of cool to um, try and fit into the the tempo of the music and the the tone that you're using as well it can be a challenge. So yes, definitely thesauruses is all good. I what whatever is 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 needed. Sometimes um, you need to sort of go and take inspiration from wherever you can find it. Mm. Well, this actually relates to the next debate I was going to ask you about, which is uh, whether or not extreme metal should be viewed as escapist fantasy and entertainment or a true reflection of the artist's own views, politics and identities. So what do you think uh, regarding this particular question? Well, I would take that on face value of of, um, the different bands because within the very broad uh, metal community, you have all of those things. You have things that are genuinely fantasy uh, and you have things that are genuinely um, someone, you know, uh, bearing their soul through words. Uh, and sometimes that's not always easy to differentiate. Um, I understand. Um, but, I mean, yeah, I, I think sort of... Yeah, I, I don't want it to be a cop out, but I think sort of anything goes as 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 far as um, you know how you um, someone is able to imaginatively express themselves. Really, um, I I don't think it should be one. There should be one way, or like people should say no, you can't do this or can't do that. It's just about the interpretation the writer has, and and then um, the interpretation the listener and the reader has. Really. Um, well, now that we've kind of started talking about your lyrical process, we do want to kind of um, move to a more specific discussion of your lyrical choices. Um, but before we do that, we wanted to kind of first talk um, kind of broadly about your use of instruments, because, you know, as you've kind of alluded to earlier, um, you have previously featured um, instruments that we don't often see in this subgenre, um, mm-hmm. including um, the saxophone, um, as well as the kamanche um, and geitak. Um, the latter uh, two being Iranian string instruments, if I'm not mistaken. I'm yes. sorry for the pronunciation there. Um, so how does writing music using those kinds of instruments that we do rarely see uh, in extreme metal impact on how you write lyrics that accompany that music? That's really interesting. Um, well, and initially I would answer that as in being, um, I'm not, I'm not sure that um, it's had much impact on on, on lyrics uh, initially. So uh, with Subterranean, uh, obviously we're coming up on our third album that's going to be released in a couple of weeks' time. Um, the first album only featured a little bit of saxophone uh, just in one particular song. Uh, so for that, it was an instrumental passage. And I guess uh, in the second album, it was used in a very similar way. So when there was no vocals there and uh, we would have more of a ambient, uh, a doom uh, with sort of uh, brushes on the drums, almost a doom jazz kind of vibe, I guess you could say. That was more like a departure from like some of the doom death where the lyrics would traditionally go. Um, but with this new album, Individuation, I, um, I've sort of grown as a saxophone player and I was able to incorporate it into more of the heavier sections. And for some of that, I, I, I dare say, because it was being interspersed within lyrics, so. Um, it was more so a case of um, 
trying to say more with less because I know I was going to share the verse with the saxophone. So it would be like maybe one or two lines of vocals and then you would have some saxophone phrasing and then I might come back around and book in with some more vocals. So it was more about um, uh, sharing uh, the space uh, with a with a, a, a vocal-like instrument, a melodic vocal-like instrument. So I think that's where it's sort of, um, uh, for me personally, with the saxophone there. And the other instruments that you were talking about was in one song called Embittered on Contagium and the Landscapes of Failure, the second album. Um, that was a, a sort of another instrumental section and also uh, Galare Poor, who was the uh, Iranian-born lady that was um, cool enough to collaborate with me. Um, she took um, her vocals from a... Uh, an ancient poet, I think his name was Rumi, R-U-M-I, and so he, uh, so, sorry, Galara, she um, took um, some of some of his uh, sort of poetry from uh, a few centuries ago and sort of added that in in an ambient context over her um, Comanche and Kornchek um, parts. So that's how she sort of put that together to make it that sort of um world do metal section i guess you could sort of say um, um so that's how that sort of fits in with with subterranean and, and what we've done up until now well talking more about lyrics specifically across your full uh three full-length releases including the upcoming one uh, we noticed that although your first and last albums were produced uh, more than 10 years apart there's definitely some lyrical themes that continue to appear throughout like your entire catalog uh, specifically, we noted references to death repeated. Uh, for instance, there are lines like body displaced, so slow this heart beats, yet not enough to let myself be. Racing through, search for some reprieve, I'm not yet ready to leave. Uh, from Wailing My Keen off your first album. And then there are lines like, as the sun does set, and I too shall follow below the dirt. Gnarled body overstayed the welcome upon this mortal coil from Haunted Optimist uh, of your latest release. At the same time, there are also references to cycles of change and rebirth, like you have lines such as, um, and then at the end, we meet the beginning again, uh, the most subtle of storms is sung, and come full circle again from prolonging this agony, uh, both from your first album. And then again, reborn, I shall conquer from Ardorous Becoming and seamless integration of shadow and self, unbalanced pieces brought whole, the circle infinite and centered off your latest album. Uh, these all reference uh, cycles circles of rebirth or something starting again. Then you also have uh, references to time and changes. Uh, for instance, tracks from the first album of lines like Lost Upon Aquarius Trail, Alarm Bells Toll, uh, Duly Ringing Death to the Modern Ear, or Fear Cultivation Through the Centuries for Six Years in the Eye of a Storm. And then your latest album has lines like Employ These Remnants of a Dream to Gleave the Curve on Which the Time Will Grade and excuse me, Mouths of Modern Madness Spewed Dissonance. Uh, and indeed, the first song from both your first and last album reference a process of becoming. So why do you think you've continued to embed these themes of death, uh, dying, but then also rebirth and change uh, across over more than a decade of writing music for this project? That's a very, very, very good question. Just wrote that question. It's very good. <laughs> yeah, well, when you put it like that, like, I guess uh, as a lyricist, I'm sort of like most focused on what's in front of me. Uh, and uh, once things are recorded, they sort of like the children, they get sent off into the world. And so you don't often, well, 
oh, me personally, I don't often sort of look back to, to see if there's any sort of uh, <clears throat> reoccurring things, even though, like, I guess sometimes subconsciously I sort of, I sort of do know that. But um, I, I guess, like, within this music, I guess that sort of in, inspires me to sort of bring in some of those things. Like I, I read and think about a, a, lot, a lot of these topics that sort of you just sort of covered within these lyrics. And for, for some of the other bands that I've done, that wouldn't have definitely not be appropriate. So I think as in within this doom death metal, we have these 10 minute tracks with uh, sort of like sprawling, uh, there's, there's lots of room to sort of uh, be contemplative, I guess, in a sense. Um, so, yeah, I kind of, that's sort of what sort of uh, comes up uh, in response to the music first. And then sometimes I might have uh, like specific ideas that I want to get across and then some music will come and I'm like, ah, oh, this is the perfect thing. This is, this is, uh, these things should be together basically. Um, so, but as far as, yeah, re the recurring things, I guess like uh, subterranean disposition is kind of like a bit of a, a personal meditation on sort of death birth um the, the cycles of life that that we see and that we journey through and the way we sort of feel about it and the way we navigate it uh personally uh, our inner worlds and then and also our outer worlds and how that reflects back to us as well so yeah i guess subterranean is just sort of this uh playground where i can sort of uh, stretch out on some of these topics hence these things sort of coming up time and again in, in, in different songs and in different ways that I can sort of express that at the time that I was writing it. Mm. So, yeah, given that it's been like 10 years now, um, it's not really surprising that 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 I would hear that, like, yeah, like the, the first song of the first album and, and the first song of the new album have some sort of similarities in, in a local context. And hopefully, uh, given that that time has passed, I'm maybe able to articulate those things in a slightly better way than I, than I had at the start, you know, but that's it's not really for me to judge, I guess. Mm. Well, we'll definitely talk about some of the... Um similarities and differences that we observed in your lyrics across uh, your different releases. Awesome. Um, but in terms of another um, trend that we uh, we saw in terms of uh, theme um, was, uh, you know, we've noticed that across your albums, there's a lot of references to colours. Um, so on the first album, there are eight uses of colour words. Uh, so one of black, three of blue, four of red, uh, and then two uses of the word colours itself. Um, on your second album, there's both less discussion and less uh, variety with just three uses of black. Uh, and then on this new record, we have three uses of black, one white, one red, uh, and a yellow, giving us seven in total. Uh, so this variety is partially just due to, um, you know, just one line. So through black, white, red, and yellow. Um, but we're curious uh, if there's any pattern here between the rise uh, and fall and then, I suppose, rise again of colour words. Wow, that is really, really interesting and, yeah, <laughs> I'm a bit stumped actually. Um, my initial uh, response would be that um, the second, al second album, Contagion, um, maybe uh, it, it's kind of like a pseudo-concept album uh, in a post-apocalyptic world basically. And so if there was only sort of the colour black mentioned, I would sort of go, okay, cool. Well, yeah, I was trying to paint a very bleak picture of a post, 
civilized world, a la like Comac McCarthy's uh, book, The Road, basically. There was a, a lot of influence um, from that at the time. Um, yeah, veil to Cormac McCarthy, who passed recently. Um, yeah, um, but as far as like the the first album and the second one, maybe they're more akin to each other with uh, more uses of colour, um, just in some of the sort of maybe uh, uh, spiritual-esque or metaphysical sort of uh, little sort of lines and um, approaches there. So um, with the new album, you mentioned Black, uh, White, Red and yellow, I believe that that was the 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 colours for the alchemical alchemical process. So I was just sort of detailing that in that song, and I'm not really sure about the uh, the exact colour references in the first uh, self titled album, but um, yeah, I'm sure like yeah, it's, it feels like maybe within these three albums is a sort of a bit of a bookend of trilogy in between. Um, Contagion being sort of a, a concept of its own and the other two albums sort of being a little bit more open lyrically but still somewhat connected to. Very interesting. Yeah, it's not something I would have picked up on at all. <laughs> Why do you think you started out avoiding Black, just using it once on the first album and now it's become uh, the dominant colour reference on on the second and the third? Is it just more metal? Is it just like the more metal colour? <laughs> <laughs> yes that's all it is i just wanted to be more metal okay all right we're done that's good thanks for coming uh, we nah. got it we got someone to admit it it's yeah we, that's what the answer we were looking for the whole time well yeah no nah, there's there's definite times when i can have a chuckle at myself if i look back at something i'm like yeah i'm trying to be metal as uh, all hell on on a particular thing but um, to be honest, um, yeah, it's it's not something that I was consciously aware of. I guess I was just approaching, uh, you know, lyrics from a, a song, one song at a time basis, or even just sometimes one line at a time, really. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of surprising to sort of um, get that sort of uh, feedback about it. Um, I'll, I'll get back to you on it. Okay. All right. <laughs> yeah, let us know. Yeah. <laughs> Um, well, for another theme that we've uh, identified as well is uh, you talk a fair bit about fire. Um, so your first album has one use of fire, two uses of flame, five uses of burn, uh, and then your second has uh, nothing at all, actually. Uh, and this new album has two uses of fire, three references uh, to the sun, and then one use uh, of a blaze. Uh, so this isn't the most fire references that we've ever seen on this podcast by any means, um, mm. but words like snow, cold, or freeze um, don't really appear at all in your lyrics, um, just one kind of frozen silence. Um, so, yeah, wouldn't cold be a kind of a more um, perhaps common companion for subterranean disposition? Yeah, well, it could be. <laughs> but, I, but I guess, like, um, within the name and um, some of the uh, album covers, it's actually more like cave metal. So... <laughs> The snow wouldn't really get into the cave too much. It's more about yeah. create. It's more about creating that little fire within mm. the cave. So, um, yeah, it's really interesting because as you were sort of describing all the the fire and the sun stuff, um, I was uh, it just brought all the album covers to mind. Uh, the first one was take a photo I took in a cave in um, New South Wales that was just playing with the light. Uh, of um, some of the crystals down in that cave and it does definitely look like fire and um, 
yeah, the second album cover is like a painting, which is kind of sort of a blood red sky, basically, apocalyptic sky. And then this third one is, uh, yeah, two people going into to the cave to, uh, to find themselves, perhaps. So, yeah, that's really, really interesting. Um, yeah, I, I equate snow more with, uh, with the black metal and stuff. Obviously, mm. being in Australia, we, we don't we oh, we do have <laughs> snow, of course, um, but I, I I definitely haven't never been a snow person myself. Um, and uh, I guess I equate sort of my surroundings a bit more with like the the the, the dreaded summer. Being a, a redhead, I, I like to. Uh, hang out in caves all summer yeah uh, i can sympathize with that yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so um nah again really really interesting um our people guess, are meant for sorry our people are mental in here but that's okay we, we're here anyway yeah that's it but yeah we still prosper we still yeah, we do our best <laughs> in case um yeah but the the fire references i i guess would also like I would personally separate them out to specific things that I was thinking about about songs, but like taken in an overview as as just as it, as you suggested, there's a song of Maybe I should go back and uh, study <laughs> my lyrics and just see see where that's headed, and that might give me some some uh, more inspiration for for further works for sure. Why do you think you dropped them on uh, the second album? I'm not sure, but. Again, um, as I was sort of sort of alluding to, I think I was like really focused on trying to present a very dark uh, mm. world within that that record. Um, basically, a world without without sort of electricity to to a point. Um, there's actually uh, some samples in one of the at uh, one of one of the songs, uh, "Lifelong Slumber," where you hear sort of um, power lines sort of hitting each other that are sort of dying out, sort of thing. So, it's that kind of sort of yeah. I just wanted it to sort of be very very dark and sort of paint a picture of where things might might be headed, basically um, through that post apocalyptic vision. So. I guess I mean, there wasn't a lot of light and there wasn't a lot of hope that I was trying to express there. Do you feel that the new album is like more hopeful, uh, hopeful or like, uh, this is not an intentional pun, but like a, a warmer perspective? Um, I do, uh, because basically within this new album, Individuation, I'm taking a lot of cues uh, from the, uh, uh, the famous uh, psychoanalyst C.J. Jung and some of his concepts um, about uh, personal development and inner work to to try to bring about changes in one person's life that ultimately might lead to changes in like everybody's life basically so from that perspective I, I think the lyrics uh, on individuation are a uh, in stark contrast to contagium which is like this is uh, kind of where we're headed if we don't our fingers out of our collective ass, so to speak. Um, whereas individuation is like, um, well, here could be some answers for us to um, get out of that uh, proverbial uh, upcoming mess, so to speak. So yeah, I, I, I think it's sort of a juxtaposition. Uh, I didn't want to go down another sort of uh, dark road again as I had done with that album. So given that I was sort of an armchair young enthusiast, I sort of wanted to try and present my own sort of uh, 
idea of, of what some of those concepts meant to me on a personal level and how they've helped me ultimately get to a better place in life, I, I feel. So, yeah, in answer to your question, I think it's, it's yeah, in direct opposition to uh, the, um, the style of the lyrics in Contagium, this new album. Speaking of other kind of trends we've viewed uh, more so in terms of the syntax, is that uh, we saw that there's quite a bit of active voice that you use in your lyrics to describe things kind of in the moment. Uh, this isn't to say that you never use, you know, past tense, uh, but there's a lot of, you know, ing, so running, kneeling, standing, touching words uh, in your lyrics. All lines written in a style that almost seems as though you're kind of commanding someone to do something as they listen. So this runs across all your albums, uh, but just to give like two examples from the new album, uh, the first song has lines like, employ these remnants of a dream, uh, unpack these trauma wounds, or uh, the chasm is deep, yet I descend, um, which all appear, you know, in the now. Uh, and fear and loathing, uh, stripping uh, you backward, commitment and crisis beckons you forward, distraction disguises the quicksand, archetypal signposts calling you onward uh, from the song archetypal um, are all similarly, you know, in the here and now. Um, are you kind of cognizant of this approach? Is something that you kind of generally prefer to adopt when you write lyrics? Yeah, I, I think so. Um, I believe like now that you're sort of describing that, I, I feel like maybe that is a general style that I do adopt. Um, I could be wrong, but I don't really feel like I use a lot of I and we, but um, I'm, I might do for sort of different projects and different bands, but definitely for Subterranean, um, I guess it's, um, well, especially for this new album, Individuation, it's, a lot of it is not, not I wouldn't say self-talk, but um, it's definitely sort of like not a, not a how to do something, so to speak, but it's, yeah, it's not sort of projecting it as into um, you should do this or this is the way things should be, but it's kind of like going forward through sort of uh, different ideas and steps of um uh, progression through these different sort of things like uh, this, there's a song called shadow work so um, you know within the Jung concepts you sort of got to befriend your shadow um, to become sort of more whole as a person so to speak so um, yeah I definitely agree with sort of the, that sort of uh, sentiment and I think that's something I try to sort of employ to give the narrative like sort of um, a free-flowing movement kind of in a way that's what's coming up for me at the moment anyway yeah that's mm. really interesting why not take a perspective of something that's already happened like why not it, it seems like I won't say never because there is some past tense but it does seem like yeah. the lyrics tend to avoid this happened it's more like this is happening or this will happen or do this now there's not a lot of like, this is what happened. There's definitely no song, I think, in your entire discography, which is all set in like, I'm telling a story that is over. Right, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's more in the moment, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. I, I feel like that's, I feel actually good about that. Because <laughs> we- Why, why do some, you Well, because sometimes in we can live our lives in the past or in the future, but like what's happening now is the only thing that's happening like those mm -hmm. things either haven't arisen or 
have gone, but mentally we might be still holding on to them in a in a positive, negative, or any any way in between that. Um, but like when you get into the the flow of the moment, I guess that's some of the sort of music metaphysical uh, sort of stuff that I allude to here and there, or uh, maybe strive strive to describe within some of the lyrics here in Subterranean. So you know, hearing you say that sort of sort of gives me a sort of a light bulb light bulb moment. It's like okay, I'm striving to be to be present within that mm. moment of of the song and and the words that are that are there. So yeah, that's really cool. Glad we brought it up then. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you. Uh, well, regarding the style of language that you use in your lyrics, um, you seem to strike a balance between uh, kind of more common or what we might call accessible language and more complex or otherwise kind of difficult vocabulary. Um, so to give you an example, uh, lines like, as the sun does set uh, and I too shall follow below in the dirt include words that most English users probably wouldn't struggle with. Um, however, you also have lines that feature words like um, opiophagy, um, so which I assume is uh, people who consume opium, which is a relatively archaic form. You also have uh, words like detritus, um, atrabilius, uh, contagium, and simulcrum, um, which are all kind of uncommon, even Latinate words, um, many of which we also had to look up. Uh, so is this contrast between relatively kind of simple and difficult vocabulary intentional? And what do you, what effect do you think that generates, uh, you know, with, uh, for uh, your average listener? Um, well, yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, obviously some of the more straightforward things, it's, it's easier to follow and whatnot. I, I, I guess I find when I use um, more obscure words, I'm, I'm looking for something a bit more poetic uh a poetic way to to say something instead of saying it a little bit more straightforward so i'm going in between um things that are like very uh, basic and then things that are a little bit more yeah just just putting uh how, how would i put it um just yeah i guess I'm line by line, I'm just sort of like uh, deciding whether um, this this needs to be a little bit more straightforward, or or I've got a bit of room to be a little bit more uh, vague, or use something that yeah might catch someone off guard and go, oh, what's that word? And then if I've made someone look up a word, that's pretty cool. But um, it's it's mainly down to like also sometimes I'll come across stuff as I read. I'm like, that's awesome. I, and I really like the, the context and the, and the power of this word. So I'm like, I'll either jot it down or I'll keep it in mind. And then uh, eventually it'll get to the spot where, yes, and you hear, I'll like pop it in. So that might be a bit of a selfish thing on my part as well. It's just like um, adding things in that I uh, sort of think uh, cool and I like the sound of uh, the word and I like that it's obscure. <laughs> so... Yeah, there's kind of no sort of rhyme or reason. I guess to some degree, uh, my lyric writing is just completely selfish. Um, I I need to be satisfied um, at the end of the day. And then when it goes out there, um, if I get uh, feedback of, of one way or any way, um, uh, like I was saying before, it's all down to interpretation and stuff. Um, I've been lucky with the reviews for the first two albums to sort of 
have a lot of European reviewers sort of talk a little bit about penmanship and stuff like that. And that's nice, but it's not really something that I'm striving for. I'm striving for having a finished set of lyrics and then a recording. And then if I look back at them both, I'm like, yes, I think I've done my best here to try and describe what I was trying to get to. So yeah, that's sort of my process. It's like, as long as I'm happy, that's cool. <laughs> And then it's it's all down to how how other people may or may not interpret it. Has anyone ever like asked you about these terms after a show or what they mean? Like, do you hope fans will look them up, or if they make uh, like, do you want them to make the effort to kind of read through and figure out what the words are? For sure. Well, if I didn't want anyone to make any effort, then I would just keep the lyrics off off the um the products or offline. Mm-hmm. It's it, it's there for um people to check out. Um, having said that. I feel like most of my career, like lyrics have never been a thing that's rarely come up within the metal sort of stuff. Um, it's here and there, but generally it's just like, okay, you guys play fast and loud or slow and loud and there's there's growling. That's awesome. I love it. Um, but, um, yeah, here and there, like as I was saying, sort of uh, some interviews and some reviews, they would pick up on some things uh, like that. And so it's always good to know that someone is reading out there. Um, and then, yeah, we get to do something like this where it's all about lyrics. So, like, yeah, I'm, I'm like a pig in shit right now. So it's really good. Well, regardless of the relative like simplicity or complexity of your lyrics, um, your lyrics can't really be mistaken for what we would call like everyday talk in English, right? So Mm. for instance, most people aren't walking around saying stuff like floundering in paradoxical pretense thwarted by the blaze of your own self-hatred. So, you know, even if we take lines like you mentioned earlier, like, you know, and I too shall follow, like even if all these words are ones that the average English user would recognise, I, I doubt that most English users would arrange the words using that kind of syntax. Um, yeah. So do you consciously try and use language in a way that's distinct from how you might communicate in daily life? Uh, and if and if so, again, like, you know, what's the purpose of doing this? Okay, well, um so specifically uh, with that song you were sort of referencing, uh, Haunted Optimist, um, it was all about the um, accents. I was following the accents of the guitar. So I needed to, to have simple words to go in. So like the riff was like, and so I was using shorter words to, to be able to um, um, with within small syllables to fit that riff so there was space for the drums and the other things that were uh, percussively going on so some I, I guess I approach lyrics um, in a very musical way I, I guess um, and sometimes that will lead you to yeah using like uh, different different combinations of syllables and words um, to, to get that point across and sometimes it might not even be so much more about the meaning than just having the, the right vocalization and you go back and go oh well what does that mean <laughs> and then uh, it might be four or five years later uh, the penny drops I'm like oh okay um, yeah and sometimes the meanings of, of different lyrics will change within that but um, yeah I think that it's I, I approach these things from that kind of scope. There's always got to be sort of the music first. I don't really sort of sit down and write lyrics and then try and match it to a piece of music. Just coming as a multi-instrumentalist, it's always 
coming up with the the sounds and the ideas and then the lyrics are a reflection of what I hear back from like uh, doing the recordings or yeah listening to a, a recording of um, your, your band playing through in YouTube or whatever and then getting inspired to to find out where it is and like sometimes I might have like a certain rhythm and I'll play like hangman and I'll just put the the, the syllables as dashes. Mm -hmm. And then I'll just play around with it and see what words can fit into that configuration. And sometimes it's nonsense. And similarly, I might approach it and record stuff at home where I'm being guttural and I'm doing things rhythmically, but it's all gibberish. And then I'll sit there and I'll go, what is that? What is that word? What that's kind of sounds like a word. And I'll write these things out and, and it'll, at first it'll be, I'll write all these words that don't have any meaning together and then slowly I'll scrape away at that this, that's sort of like a vocal technique uh, a, a lyric writing technique that uh, a lot of different sort of artists have sort of used and it's just something that I've been sort of doing in the last uh, 10 to 15 years here and there uh, sometimes lines will come out other times it's like all right I'm just gonna like scream uh, no words at this and then slowly I'll write to these little uh, inflections that I've made off the top of my head, basically. So, yeah, it's, I don't know if I'm going on a tangent or not, but uh, I'm just sort of sort of uh, expressing it's more like the, the writing is the key and then the mm. words kind of follow and then they get shaped afterwards in, in, in a lot of cases. Well, I, I guess but, like, I'm going to like push back on this a little bit because... Uh, yeah, they get shaped, but they could be, you know, you do shit, you ultimately shape them into what they are. And, and that shape is, yeah. is words like floundering or paradoxical or thwarted or, you know, opiophagy or detrius attributes, oh, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, like yeah. these, you could easily, I, I, theoretically, right? You could easily just, um, instead of saying thwarted, you could say blocked. Uh, you need an extra uh, syllable. You can jam it in there, you know, if you want. You just add another uh, syllable, right? So That's why true. do they get shaped into the way that they are shaped, right? Like what, why do they keep coming up? Why does the shape keep ending up being a shape that is not uh, the day-to-day -day language, like Jess said, right? Like why not Why not just like a more a casual shape? Why not a a more, you know, uh, one syllable word shape? Why not a shape that only involves uh, the English that we speak in 2023, right? Where does thwarted come from? Why, why is that the shape that comes up? Why does it come up again and again? Yeah, okay. Well, I guess that goes back to like um, being um, a bit more uh, poetic or trying to be a bit more uh word romantic or whatever <laughs> so you're you're right yeah there's there's more direct ways to say thwarted for sure but i guess uh, at whatever point that that line was getting made um i felt that like um yeah well that song embittered is about sort of self-defeatism so if you thwart yourself that's that's even more full on than blocking yourself you know what i mean mm. so it's it's a bit for, for that particular thing it's about that description and how that description makes me feel um at, at when that's when i feel that song is complete um yeah but and so yeah for sure you're right it, it definitely gets shaped and uh yes yeah, sometimes i'll go off on those tangents where i'll uh, try and, and and find um something that sort of really sparks my imagination when i read that line back or i hear that line back uh as, as i've sung it 
why i guess to build off that why do you care about being poetic like aren't, aren't we isn't this aren't we metal right aren't we supposed to be like you know dark well, and yeah. down with society and like against the uh against the ivory towers like we have, what, what's the where does the desire to be poetic come from uh that be, that comes from like i guess the other side of like um reading uh books um not poetry but like books that it can be poetic mm-hmm. and so like those sort of, the, the energy of of writing in a in a printed format is is so that there's there's two sides there i guess um in that question that you're bringing up there's a side of of me trying to fit words into the 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 song that will fit uh that but then there's also another side of me going in there that um wants to yeah just have that excitement in the line and as i was saying before like i i really like to sort of feed off the energy of either reading someone's lyrics or reading my own back just to make sure this is this is how I want to express it, sort of thing. And I guess, yeah, some of those uh, the ways that I've been inspired by uh, uh, writers of novels or short stories or whatever have expressed a certain thing that they, you know, you don't really express in everyday language. Um, that sort of creeps in there. So yeah, yeah, there you go. I. I am a bit uh, uh, a Jekyll and Hyde of, of of writing. Yeah, there's some conflicting sort of things going on there. Right. Well, I mean, you mentioned earlier that, like, you know, you do like to write your lyrics down and see how they appear to you, and that's like, you know, part of your editing process. Would there be a difference in how the lyrics kind of um, appear to you, like just visually, if you were to write, uh, you know, and I will go after instead of and I too shall follow? I guess I'm just just favoring the way that that feels looks and sounds um as in the the one that might not be spoken as we as we're having like a normal conversation in in 2023 i guess maybe within like sort of the the start that the style of doom death and stuff um, especially early in the 90s, they would sort of favour these kind of things that are a little bit more pompous and a little bit more romantic in a verbal um, or word sense. So I guess there's a little bit of sort of a, a nod to that. And it's just, yeah, at the end of the day, I guess those choices uh, are there. It's just because I've, 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 I've um, uh, yeah, going in between these sorts of things and not really kind of thinking about those sort of contexts within it. It's just more about, um, yeah, how I'm feeling uh, about like hearing, seeing and and reading what's been written for that particular music. Well, maybe we can unpack this further by kind of looking at um, another kind of uh, feature of your lyrics, which is related to that which we've just discussed, which is, you know, the use of relatively archaic forms. So, you know, we mentioned before shall and thwart, which, you know, are technically modern English, but are rarely used in modern English contexts. Um, And, you know, this forms part of a larger pattern where we do see some kind of older sounding words sprinkled in otherwise modern day English lyrics. Uh, Maybe a clearer example of this is, you know, the use of the old English the, which appears once in your lyrics on your first album and, you know, in the line um, for what each make haste uh, to awaken uh, the depth in thee uh, from the song Seven Sisters of Sleep. 
Um, yeah. As an art, you, are, you no doubt you already know, um, you know, metal is kind of uh, well recognised for its penchant for, you know, archaic expression, uh, including, you know, the use of thee and thou, which is very well documented. Um, so yeah. we were wondering, you know, uh, what made you include thee and other kind of archaic forms in your lyrics? Is it kind of connected to this desire to create kind of romantic lyrics um, or, you know, are you intending to make your lyrics look older? And if so, for what purpose? Okay. Um, I'm not uh, striving to make them look older. Um, if anything, yeah, it would be sort of a, a more romantic use of language. Um, particularly in that case, The Seven Sisters of Sleep was a, a very old book um, that sort of alluded to um, different drug uh, use at the time, maybe the late 1800s. I, I can't remember really now, but... Um, yeah, the actual sort of name of the book, Seven Sisters of Sleep. So that song is kind of like a kind of backwards book study, if you like. And um, um, reading that book was very difficult because that uses a lot of that sort of language. So I think in direct reference to sort of that song and maybe leaking out into some of uh, the other lyrics uh, in the subterranean canon, uh, maybe that's maybe that's like sort of the... Uh, the jump off point of where I was like, yeah, I really like the way that they were expressing that, um, you know, a hundred years or more ago. Um, and it's sort of sort of leaked over a little bit here and there as I sort of used it. So yeah, the Seven Sisters of Sleep was definitely a sort of a throwback to um, looking at that style of uh, expression within, uh, yeah, sort of a, a drug culture of 100 years ago and stuff like that. And then, um, yeah, I could definitely see that maybe uh, in, in writing different other topics or whatever, some of that has come up from there, maybe, perhaps. So, yeah. Well, in addition to difficult vocabulary and old vocabulary, there's some other patterns in your lyrics that we saw, uh, such as like the use of rhyming and alliteration on occasion. Uh, not all your songs rhyme, not all your lines rhyme, but there's a pretty consistent presence of rhyming across your three releases. On uh, the first album, you have lines like, leave it up to me to prolong this agony, it happens automatically. Uh, on the second, there's bear this crux of self-disgust, paint the four walls black, let the eyes roll back, adhere to the redux of the mistrust. Uh, and then finally, your latest album is the rhymes like, um, alone with no compass, self-destructive umbrage, longing for silence, exploding with violence. Uh, is there a reason why you rhyme consistently, not constantly, but consistently? Is it just about creating like the chorus or is there something more that you feel rhyme adds to the impact of your lyrics? I think with those two examples, um, uh, the, the, um, the one in Embittered is definitely like maybe a more hooky kind of thing. Um, I, if I think about the song in, in question, it's a... Uh, it, it comes out of a very large expansive part into a sort of uh, build-up part and I guess I was using that to sort of um, lure people back into like a heavier section so I was using rhyme specifically there to sort of uh, give the vocals a little bit more of a hook I mean there's no sort of blazing choruses that are super catchy in any of this music but if, if I was trying to do something akin to that, uh, it might be a little bit like that in that section. Um, as far as the other one that you um, mentioned, um, Arduous, that was more in a melodic sense. So I'd probably written the first line and felt it felt good to sing it that way. Um, I, I haven't sung... Uh, 
in major amounts in Subterranean, but definitely on this new album, there's a lot more clean singing uh, than the, the first two. And um, I find, um, especially having um, uh, vocal uh, coaching well within clean singing and stuff, you get to sort of recognise where your mouth placements are for vowels and stuff like that. So with that one, I would have been like, oh, cool, this this sits really well and I can get the the, the tone of the note really nicely. So it would have followed that, like, okay, let's try and get this same um, type of um, uh, vowel going. And so it obviously it would start to rhyme from there kind of thing. Uh, so yeah, so that's that's what comes to mind for those two specific things. Uh, like not not in the specific more broadly like you talked about you know you write the lyrics and then you kind of carve the sorry you write the music and then you kind of carve the lyrics out but you did like you don't randomly end up with a bunch of rhymes scattered throughout your lyrics right and requires like rhyming a word with another word requires some kind of conscious sitting down and, and thinking about what words rhyme and, and popping it out mm. but, and it's not like rhyme only appears on the new album it's not like rhyme only appears in choruses but it does appear like regularly throughout 10 plus years what draws you to rhyme? Why does it exist in, in, in your music, you know? Not um, in one song, but like just as, as a thing that you do throughout yeah. everything you do. Uh, I, I love hip hop music. It's <laughs> a good reason. It's a great reason. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, my love of rhyme comes from mm -hmm. that. Um, interesting fact, I mm -hmm. actually had a hip hop band called Brutalica about 15 to 16 years ago. Oh, shit. So that, no yeah, that, kind of, that, kind of that kind of ties in with uh, Lingua Britannica yeah, yeah. there. Yeah, no, that's a reference. <laughs> we, got, uh, we got albums, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, um, I, I, I would say that, like, it's never a direct influence, but I, I love the form um, that, that rhymes take and the... Uh, how do I say the heights that some uh, MC lyricists have taken the art of rhyming? Um, so, like, given that that's a, a big passion of mine uh, musically, it's it's gonna it's gonna come out, you know. And sometimes it is in in different things that I do. So um, there's that, uh, and then yeah, sometimes there's the I go back to that energy thing sometimes to to have rhyme at the end of, of, a, of a sentence in the flow of a, of a verse or whatever part of the music it is just feels like the right thing to do basically so it's more yeah it comes down to that thing again of like um what what's the best way to to sort of do that sort of thing and if it is to rhyme then it's to rhyme but like yeah it doesn't always end up that way either so while you're speaking i i just i wanted to let you know i looked it up and um your rap project is not listed on encyclopedia metallum yeah so, nah, no no nah, no nah. um I, I have done other uh hip-hop stuff as well but um nah, that was definitely a very underground thing okay. <laughs> yeah Wait, can i just say so this is completely unrelated language but just I, like you're in so many projects here um and so i guess you know if anyone's listening wants to check out your music give them some of this to check out but i'm going to list what they have you in and I guess could you just like tell how many how many projects are missing? Like like let's say is it a half dozen? Is it a dozen? Uh, they have listed you as obviously subterranean, um, Canyonero, mm -hmm. Cryptal Darkness, Damaged mm -hmm. Earth, Hellspawn, 
Insomnius Day, Order of Chaos, and the Eternal. Okay, oh, well, that's a fair chunk of, of stuff. Um, the other thing that comes to mind, I was in a black metal band called Hellspawn. Um, oh, yeah, they got, they got Hellspawn as on keyboards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, um, that's a fair chunk of thing, but I can't really think of the top of my head, but there is missing things, and there's things that are definitely not in, in the rock or metal genre. Okay. Um, I've done improvised uh, saxophone stuff uh, recently. I've done some stuff that's classified as doom jazz. Uh, I've done hip-hop stuff. I've done noise stuff. Um, yeah, so there's a whole bunch of things not there, but I'll, some of these projects that I'm just, or some of these styles that I'm just telling you about that I've done projects uh, uh, with and for, um, uh, not always like super visible, basically. Sometimes I just do things and then just put them on the internet and don't tell anyone. <laughs> Is there a partition that you keep between these genres or does like the, like you, well, obviously the hip-hop bleeds into the metal. You just said, you know, you mentioned that. Does the metal, mm. does the death metal bleed into the hip hop? Does the jazz bleed into the hip hop? Does the hip hop bleed into like, like, is it, are there walls on the, on the language front, not the musical front, but like, like, are there uh, walls on the language or, front. or, where um, does it all kind of just, are they porous? You know, do they just kind of all run into each other? Um, I'm going to take out my metal notepad, right? Or like my, <laughs> well, I think that like, when you're in a sort of specific genre, you sort of stick to the vocabulary to a degree. So it's not like I'm using any of these sort of more archaic words if I'm like uh, doing a song that's a hip hop song with a rhyme. Um, or if I'm like Canyon Arrow was a like a stoner band. So if I was like crooning a stoner song, it's, it's going to be a, a sort of different approach lyrically, but there would be little things that sort of bleed over here and there, you know, like turns of phrase, just something you might have learnt from like a different genre, but then you're like, oh, I can put this in here, but no one's really going to know it's come from there, so to speak. Do you know what I mean? It's more like little uh, techniques and things you sort of learn that you don't really kind of share with, with anyone except for musicians perhaps at different times here and there. Yeah. That's really interesting, though. It's not something that I've really actually thought about too much. So, yeah, really cool. Uh, all right. Well, then to kind of kind of move back to the uh, the rhyme and alliteration thing, uh, with alliteration, uh, there's quite a lot that appears as well. Uh, you're, on your first album, you have lines like, votaries of the vixen Virginia bear not to be without her brown gold touch. Uh, on the second, you have, which is, oh, sorry, that's from the song Seven Sisters of Sleep, which is, of course, itself is an alliteration. Uh, on their second, you have collective coffin culture hits the final nail. Uh, and on the third, the new one, there's commitment and crisis beckons you forward. Distraction disguises the quicksand. Uh, what motivates the use of alliteration like this? Um, can you guys describe alliteration for me? Oh, yeah, sure. Uh, using the uh, words repeated, uh, officially three. I think. Is that right, Jess? Like it's three is an alliteration formally. Is that right? Yeah, formally three. But I think, like yeah. you know, people... Like according to like kind of common perception, like two is yeah. often you know enough. But, yeah, well, they start with the exact same sound or letter. So um, ah, I see. Okay, so votaries, votaries, Vixen, Virginia, Virginia, triple V. Yeah, yeah. commitment, crisis, distraction, disguise, uh, stuff like that. Wow, that's really really interesting. Um, 
it wouldn't have been uh, like conscious. It's like, ah, here's a chance for some more alliteration because obviously I just had to ask what it was. Um, <laughs> but um, I guess it, it also goes down to like what's being described and um, in yeah, in terms of like how that's put to the music and yeah, I guess it sort of it's it's strange that those it's sort of sort of come up a few times. I guess it's like a sort of technique. I guess it's also that sort of energy thing. Yeah, I, I would, would have definitely seen the three Vs and like, yeah, cool, and the way that sounds. Votaries of the Vicks in Virginia, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, that sounds cool to me, you know, sort of thing. So, it's, yeah, it's not really it's not really the most uh, um, insightful answer, but I think, yeah, it's just down to that time where I was putting it together and I just really, really liked how it, how it flowed. Right. Well, we've talked so far about kind of consistent patterns that we've observed across your releases, but now we want to talk about some notable differences that we observed. Uh, so specifically with reference to pronouns. Uh, so starting with your first album, there are 23 instances of I, my, and me, uh, 27 then of we and our. Uh, on your second album, there's no I at all, uh, and only 12 instances of we and our, and just one instance of you. Then the first person singular perspective uh, resurfaces on the third album with just five instances of I, me, and my, in addition to six of we, our, and us, uh, and then just seven of you and your. Uh, so were you kind of uh, intentionally shifting your use of pronouns across these uh, different releases? Uh, you know, did you consciously attempt to use fewer pronouns after your um, no, not at all. It's it's one of those things, like, I guess, as lyricists, you don't, well, it, I can only speak personally, but it's like, um, it's always just focused on the task at hand. And if you're writing that song, I'm not comparing it to the song that came before or, or after it. Um, so yeah, but that's, that's really interesting. I, I, I know as I'm listening to, to your, your guys' podcast, uh, quite often, um, this, this comes up and I guess the answer for a lot of people is kind of the same. It's like, oh no, I didn't, I had no idea, <laughs> you know, uh, I was doing that, but, um, it's, an, it's interesting in between the, the three elms and the, the count that you described that, um, we and our was the the one that came up the most for contagium and i guess that falls into uh being talking more collectively as in it, and not talking more personally so it's more all right collectively we're like in a post-apocalyptic world shit has hit the fan for us for we for, for, and our, our survival and that kind of thing so that makes a lot of sense that um I and you is is very minimal in that second album but um as as far as like going across all the three it's yeah it's it's always just just writing for the the um the music at hand and then sort of uh only seeing these things sort of come up in a conversation like this basically so if if the we is like all of us often is the I generally you specifically um I would I would say generally yes, uh, unless there was I was specifically writing uh, as a character that wasn't me, and I can't really think for subterranean of a time that that might be, except for maybe perhaps in, embittered, 
um, as we've sort of talked about a little bit. Um, but that can also be self-reflective too. So it's kind of really hard to say. Yeah. But generally, I think if I'm using I, then it's something that, like, yeah, I'm personally talking about. What about the uh, the increase in the use of you and your on this new album? Is there someone specifically you're, you're talking about when you when you refer to them as you slash your? It's really interesting. We come we come down to like you know having the lyrics in front of me and going, oh, okay, I, I I see where I'm going with that, but um, I'm I'm not particularly sure as an overview. Um, it's it's actually really really fresh uh, because yeah we just sort of finished recording it and whatnot and there's always a, a period of um, abandoning your child after you record it uh, and before it gets released so yeah it's it's kind of a hard one to say on 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 that but it's definitely something I could sort of look back and get back to you on that one. Um, do you want me to give you an example right now? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, please um, do. Well, okay, so on the song Individuation, you have fear and loathing stripping you backward, commitment and crisis beckons you forward, distraction disguises this quicksand, archetypal signpost calling you onward. Three U's in a row, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's really interesting. I guess, um, yeah, I guess for that, it's it's me um, describing someone's uh journey and obviously the the song title arduous becoming it's like someone's uh really hard journey into to becoming themselves so yeah I, i'm i'm speaking to to i guess in a way i'm speaking to um somebody's somebody's journey and it's, and it's like okay all these hard things happened but this these are the things uh, that you might not might not have seen at the time that was like making that journey into the person you are sort of thing. So yeah, I'm talking um, yeah to a non-defined, but like we all go through tough times, right? So it's kind of like a, a you thing, but it could definitely I could be talking to myself in the mirror at the same time as well. So <laughs> it's it's general, but it's also projected outwards too. Right. Uh, we wanted to ask you about kind of an anomaly, I guess we could say, um, in your use of phenomenal forms that appears on your first album uh, and then largely disappears off the following two. So specifically, um, the first album featured 10 uses of she and her. Um, many of these do appear in the song Seven Sisters of Sleep, which we might expect uh, because, of course, this song references the feminine figures that stand in for the seven drugs mentioned in the book Seven Sisters of Sleep that you mentioned earlier. Yeah. Um, however, other uses of she and her do appear still in songs like Between Apes and Angel um, with lines, uh, you know, towards uh, the end and ever beyond limitations, wake her from inside, uh, raise she from dreams. Uh, and prolong this agony with Lionel out of her storm to uh, deep blue serene. And there are actually two instances of her that do appear in the first song, um, Wooden uh, Kimono Fixative of your second album, uh, appearing in the lines, raped, defiled and plundered her abundance in spades and castrate her impotent. Uh, so in these songs, uh, it isn't totally clear who she refers to with the exclusion of, you know, Seven Sisters of Sleep. Um, so is the she a specific person here or is it just a feminine figure? Um, and why does she appear, you know, only occasionally um, on the first album then, you know, hardly at all on the following two? Uh, yeah, okay. Well, for the instances of um, 
uh, yeah, uh, prolong this agony and the use of she, that was uh, definitely uh, a person. So I know you guys talk about, um, you know, the use of, uh, um, can you write a, a do metal or a death metal love song and um, prolong is kind of a really backward sort of love song in a way. Um, so that's actually a personal she. Whereas in uh, wooden uh, kimono fixation is uh, more so uh, setting the stage for post-apocalyptic meltdown and she refers to as in Mother Earth or Mother Nature. So, um, yeah, so you, yeah, within those two different contexts, there's the, 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 the personal as in uh, personal relationships and then also the feminine as in like, as they say, mother nature or mother earth sort of thing. So that refers to those specific things. And then, yeah, um, as in uh, Seven Sisters of Sleep, that's exactly on the money with yeah, how that was described. Well, uh, I Regarding the names for the drugs that come up here, uh, Virginia, Mary Jane, Amani, et cetera, uh, where do these exactly come from? Like we recognize some, the ones that are familiar and modern, like Mary Jane for weed, uh, Lucille for LSD, but the other ones appear a bit more obscure, archaic. Uh, Virginia, maybe tobacco, Amantia, mushrooms, uh, ecstasis, yeah. ecstasy, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh cocaine, morphinia, morphine, or, or opium. Yeah. Uh, are these all drawn directly from the book or did you actively try to combine more modern slang with the more archaic terms? Um, yeah, that's that's really cool that you bring that up. Um, I think at the time I, I what I did was, is, uh, yeah, I wanted to have specific names for um, like a feminine drug entity or a spiritual drug entity. And, yeah, some, some I, uh, I wrote down, uh, you know the one the Mary Jane or Virginia being uh, tobacco and there was other ones that I couldn't really sort of like think of uh, what they could be and they went specifically from the book but I had I sort of um, set about asking uh, a few like female friends to sort of um, do a bit of research for me and come up with some some names and stuff and so, um, yeah, I, I got back all these sort of different names and I, and I used the ones that I thought was like sort of the, the most cool sounding or whatever. And even maybe one or two of them could be like made up. So, yeah, it was, it was basically just sort of a fun little exercise. It was like, yeah, I want to have specific names and sort of call them out or invoke them in, in that part of the song, which is like a real sort of build up to like a, a breakdown moment. Um, so yeah, that was a little sort of thing. It was like, uh, this is a little bit beyond me. So I opened up uh, yeah, to, to, to my circle of friends in conversation and they had a lot of fun, like uh, doing a little bit of research or just thinking uh, creatively and, and between like three or four of us, we came back and sort of made that little part from that. So yeah, that's not something I, I thought about for a very long time. So yeah. Cool. Um, well, we also wanted to talk about stuff that isn't in your lyrics, um, as we usually do. So the first is uh, discussions of gore. So although, as we've discussed, there is a lot of death and kind of um, darkness in your lyrics, there's not much like explicit violence, uh, if any at all, really. Um, yeah. Is there a reason why you've kind of avoided explicit gore um, and you know kept it pretty minimal in your lyric writing? 
Yeah, um, as I was saying before, like as I was as growing up in in the extreme metal scene, it's not something that I was attracted to. So like, so, you know, uh, when you're 20 years old and all your mates are like, yeah, Cannibal Corpse and this and that, I was just like, eh, wasn't it wasn't so much as as uh, captivated by uh, their their uses of gore and some of like the the horror sort of styles of some of the death metal bands. So I guess I made a conscious effort not to sort of like go into those territories, even if I'm talking about sort of dark things. I try and more put it in maybe uh, yeah more poetic light or. Um, in, yeah in different styles and maybe a little be a bit more sort of vague about it and and not I, I don't want to um I don't use a lot the lyrics to sort of like shock people or do anything like that so it's yeah, it's mainly to yeah just kind of like avoid some of those things but I mean yeah there is dark themes there but I want to put it in a more interesting uh way than just like a hammer horror kind of thing or just a shock value kind of thing for sure why do you think uh, that hammer horror kind of stuff did, never appealed to you, even as a, a young a young metal lad? Yeah, that's very strange. Well, maybe it goes back to um, um, like listening to lots of different styles of music before metal, um, and not being in that sort of teenage thing where you'd sit around and watch like lots of horror films. Uh, as, as a young dude, I was more into, like a younger, younger dude, like early early teenage years, I was more into uh, graffiti and hip-hop, to be honest. Um, and so that was a totally different world. And, yeah, I never sort of crossed over into loving the horror genre. And I, I don't have nothing against it, um, personally. It's just uh, something that I just just didn't take inspiration from. To be honest, you know, but I, I know it's a big. It has a has a big place in metal, and I can respect that. Um, to you know, it's a bit in there, but you know, I think some of it can take it a bit too far. But that's that's up to you know the, the, the people putting that out and the people listening to that. If I don't if I don't like something, then you know I won't pay attention to it. You know. Well, what about then um, the use of swearing? Because there's almost no swearing in your lyrics either. Just one damn and one use of hell. Uh, their uses are a damning sentence and then hell is a location. And mm -hmm. uh, I'm guessing this is, I don't know, just what do you think? You, you've maybe been one of the less sweary podcast hosts. We've uh, Not hosts, the guests <laughs> we've had. I don't, I don't think you've been dropping yeah. any. Um, yeah, yeah, I've been, I've been watching my tongue. Um, yeah, I'm not as... I, I'm not a. I don't really swear like a sailor. I can I can jump in that circle um, <laughs> from time to time. Um, but I, on a personal level, I don't tend to communicate that way. I'm a bit more uh, soft spoken uh, and all that sort of thing. So, yeah, I, I have I have sworn definitely in lyrics in other bands. Uh, another band I have, Order of Chaos. Uh, we were a death metal band that sort of merged into the um, sort of hardcore slash death metal and stuff. And um, I have a new project that's like a, a DB uh, Swedish death metal kind of crossover sort of thing. And there's a bit of swearing in there. And that's always um, for uh, an effect of the line more. And sometimes just gratuitously like on the beat, just as a, as a feeling kind of thing. But 
but we're not really talking about that. We're talking about subterranean. So, yeah, I, I've consciously avoided any of that. I, I don't think it, it wouldn't have any, um, it wouldn't excite me to have or have any impact for me to sort of put that in there. I felt, I feel like that would be out of place for what I'm sort of the things I'm trying to describe basically. So why, why what would make it out of place? Um, I guess it's just a personal feeling. I mean, like, it's not going to really in, enhance kind of what I'm sort of saying unless it was like, unless it was like in the context of like a big build up or something like that. And it was just a, a big sort of scream that I don't know if I was saying fuck in, in a scream at, a, at an appropriate time sort of thing. I mean, these sort of things can come up sometimes live. You just sort of um, go a bit ad lib and, if that's a swear word, then so be it. But within the writing and, and recording sort of thing, I'm sort of focused on, yeah, and just not using those sort of words. Um, it may come up though. Like I don't have anything against it. I just haven't done it, uh, you know, in Subterranean's career so far. What about like on stage banter? Like if you're at a show in Australia and you're and you're bantering with the crowd. Um. Yeah. Of course, I've done that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it can be quite strange because we, yeah, we're, we're playing this music and then you sort of want to read the crowd up so I might go into my more bogan voice or something to make them scream a little bit louder or something like that which sometimes can yeah, feel like a little bit at odds uh, but I mean that's that's live it's you know it's a you know people kind of expect that to a degree and I, I would use that tongue in cheek, you know, to, to sort of rev people up or, or get them to sort of reciprocate, um, make some noise, all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, I definitely do that sort of stuff. But as far as like, yeah, putting it into like a, a, in music for Subterrain, I just, yeah, haven't felt the need to do so, so far. How about like Australianisms in general then? Because we don't really see those in your lyrics. Uh, you know, do you think that like there's a reason for which you kind of go for a more kind of quote unquote neutral style of English rather than like a typical kind of Australian in uh, English style? Yeah, interesting. Um, I've never really thought about it, but I guess within everything that we've been talking about um, and sort of the sort of the plain English through to the more archaic and uh, romantic kind of stuff uh, yeah I feel like uh, so far um, I, I feel anything that would be more sort of Australian may not fit or I just yeah just haven't sort of come it hasn't come across um, as being viable to do sort of thing but that, you know yet again I'm not going to sort of like rule it out per se but um, it's just something that sort of hasn't come up I guess, yeah, I guess like touring uh, with some uh, doom metal bands over in Europe and stuff and sort of looking towards that sort of doom death uh, stuff uh, in the in the 90s of the British scene or whatever. I guess I'm sort of more sort of nodding to that sort of mm. style of English than sort of your yeah, Aussie sort of stuff. So um, do you think there's a conscious effort in your lyrics to like fit into a specific... I mean, I'm I'm trying not to use the word chronotope in um <laughs> in a casual podcast, but like uh, uh an instance in time space. Like, uh, it, it, do do you feel like your lyrics are are trying to 
I don't want to say like like a box, but like is there is there a goal to situate them within like the the style of of doom death, whatever that is, and like the conception that you have of it coming from its origins? Um, to a degree, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I guess as I started it, I was like, yeah, I'm I'm inspired by this, and I you know um, I didn't want to sort of ape it wholesale, but um, I wanted to sort of put a nod to to that as like um you know something that was in, inspiring uh, as I grew up um but yeah th- there's there's bands out there that will sort of do the whole nine yards it's like okay we're this style of 90s doom death um you know in sound and lyrics and everything um I, I get a bit sort of restless so while while I do nod to that I will sort of add add different things that I've learned from different sort of places and make it a little bit more of a mashup. But I think some of the basis of that from, from the first album was definitely sort of that nod to the lineage of, of where that style was sort of coming from uh, for me. So, and I think, yeah, like talking to you guys, I can see it sort of carried forth in between the releases to a certain extent and, but there's other things in there as well. So yeah, for sure. Do you think being in Australia though um, influences your lyrics in any way? Like you mentioned, you mentioned fire earlier, right? That it's more of a, a, a hot country than a, a cold one, although it's quite cold at the moment. Um, oh yeah. Uh, like, so let me, let me actually give some context here that uh, there's a lot of research on the Australian metal scene and a lot of it's focused on this idea of finding what makes Australian metal Australian metal, right? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, and there's a lot of answers to come up with, but like, do you personally think that being Australian or being in Australia or a speaker of Australian English, does that affect how um, subterranean dispositions, music, especially for this podcast, their lyrics are formed? Or is that not really a concern to your personal approach to production? Yeah, I would say it's it's the latter. It's not really um, something that I'm sort of super conscious or concerned about. It's more about serving the music, serving the song, and then and then serving the the, the words and um, the energy of that. Um, yeah, it's really yeah. It's strange that you bring that up because like yeah, it, it is the Australian thing. Um, uh, a sound or is it a personality about mm. the sound and a personality about the people perhaps you know what I mean and that's the things that are sort of coming up as as I was listening uh, to your question sort of thing and being that I have sort of toured overseas a bunch of times uh, you know uh, playing with European bands and stuff it would be more like yeah there's something in the water here that um sort of makes us play and sound a certain way and obviously that's our personalities and how we've grown up and the environment that we've been into it's kind of yeah it's it's hard to get to the core of and 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 have it be definable um there's so many sort of variables to it but um as as far as your question yeah it's not it's not something that i you know um, focus on well, if we can kind of uh, round out this interview and tie everything together, what would you say is the role of lyrics in subterranean dispositions music uh, and in the uh, extreme metal subgenre? Oh, wow. That's a, that's a great question. It's a big question. Um, I guess for me, 
uh, the lyrics for Subterranean is, is always a personal thing, as I said a few times uh, through, throughout talking to you guys. Um, it's, it's, it just comes down, to, you know, uh, it, it's been a, a, a solo project um, that I've done for many years and it's only recently that I have um, sort of uh, members with me now and I do like the, the bulk of the, the music writing, if not all of the music writing. Uh, and and lyric writing and I guess it's just uh, it's just a platform for uh, me to express myself basically um, in any form that's going to take within um, the music that I've written so um, yeah it's just a way to sort of delve into um, different topics that sort of come to mind or I get inspired by um either through the music or closely tied sort of to the feeling of the music and and what I want sort of uh not social commentary but like sometimes personal commentary social commentary book commentary <laughs> all those sorts of things so that's it's just really basically my sort of outlet that that goes along with this this music and um yeah, it's something that I'm grateful I started and have continued with up until now. In the broader context, um, it's really, really hard to say. I, I, I feel like maybe perhaps there's um, some things there that I can add to the broader metal community that maybe don't get approached in the same way just because uh, I am me and I can't be anyone else. And if that's a, a, a positive or a negative thing, I can't really sort of say that's up to subjective to the listener or whatever. I can only offer um, offer up what I sort of do. And um, I, I, I really love um, the process of uh, writing music and creating lyrics and making albums essentially. And uh, I'm just crass enough to sort of throw it out there into the public and to see what might happen. and. Uh, more often than not, we're, we're able to go out there and play a few shows and, and talk to some people that have enjoyed it. And like, that's a bonus, you know, but the, the crux of it is, uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm a music lifer and a, um, um, you know, uh, an avid book reader for life and subterranean and I'm able to sort of marry some of those two, uh, two passions sort of together and, and just be creative, you know, and, it's it's a really good part of life. Nice. Well, so the new album's coming out pretty soon, right? Where can people go to uh, to check it out and, and have a listen? Yeah, for sure. Um, the new album, Individuation, is coming out on uh, Saturday, June 24. And initially that's going to be online, so it'll be on Spotify and also on our record label, Hypnotic Dirge Records, their band camp. And then uh, there'll be a pre-order for some CDs uh, coming out in August and hopefully some vinyl as well uh, later on in the year. So, yeah, we're just basically doing digital first and then looking at um, physical formats as, as it comes up and as, as people sort of uh, ask for it sort of thing. So, yeah, it's exciting. It's been uh, seven years since the last album. And, um, yeah, times I sort of go out and uh, play a few live shows and... Uh, let go of these songs and and uh, breathe a sigh of relief. I've been sitting with them for far too long. <laughs> for sure. Well, actually, you know, um, 
so you reached out here, right, to 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 speak with us. Which is, by the way, if anyone, you know, if, if you're listening and you're in, a, in a, an extreme metal band uh, and you want to save us some time, feel free to reach out. We're happy to chat. Uh, is yeah, anything, please. <laughs> yeah, is, is there anything? Um, it's better than us messaging everyone on Facebook and getting no responses. Uh, is there anything like that that you expected us to ask or that uh, you wanted us to ask about? And we didn't. Like, did we miss something? No, I I find. I think that everything that you guys asked is very, very thorough. And and even like being a listener of the podcast, um, yeah, I expected a few uh, a few of the the questions that sort of come come up sort of um, in in most every episode. But um, there were some ones that 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 yeah, I mean, you guys delve into to the lyrics of, of each guest really, really thoroughly, and um, I've really enjoyed sort of the, the feedback about the different sort of. Uh, um, you know, different linguistic things about uh, some of the, uh, the bullshit that I write. So, um, no, it's been really good. Uh, I, I found it to be really, really uh, enjoyable chat. And, um, yeah, I've got some things to think about, that's for sure. Well, fourth going, out, maybe going... we can sneak in some themes that uh, see if we can't, like, miss them, you know, try to, try to trip us up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll definitely be able to use some of these sort of uh concepts and different things going forward and uh you know every everything that you uh, everyone you speak to and um everything in life can be uh fodder for for lyrics and creative outlets so you never know well awesome thanks it was lovely chat with you yeah thanks thank so, much, so much guys thank you thank you for listening to lingua Italica. we hope you enjoyed it and we hope you stay tuned for our next episode Before we leave, we just wanted to acknowledge that this podcast is recorded on the unceded lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation and the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We pay respects to their elders, past and present.